0: Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com, and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. I have to tell you, this is one of those books, it is absolutely riveting, and we'll set it up with this. How could one of the most trusted men in America turn out to be a sexual predator and even more importantly how did he get away with it for more than four decades the book is chasing cosby award-winning journalist uh she's been uh, with this case from the very beginning all the way back to 2005 nicole wisensee egan is with us welcome to the broadcast
1: thanks for having me on
0: so good to have you with us. I you know, I want to ask you to start by if you could help me to understand in our our audience, maybe we'll start with the end first. We know Bill Cosby is in prison, but this last series of trials and retrials and mistrials, I got so confused. I didn't know what was going on. Can you help us understand the the kind of the end first and then we'll go back, but how did he ultimately end up in prison? And there were multiple trials, if I understand it. Is that right?
1: Uh, there were two. Um, the first was uh, the jury could not reach a, a verdict, so there was a mistrial. That was in June 2017. So um, the, they retried him in April of 2018, and this time he was convicted. And, um, and then five months later was the sentencing, and he was sentenced to three to ten years in prison and designated a sexually violent predator.
0: Wow, and so when when this when it got to this point, were you? I know you covered this from the very beginning. Were you expecting him to get convicted after all of these different trials? And it seemed like a real long shot, didn't it?
1: It did. In fact, um, I was covering it for the Daily Beast, um, and. I was doing uh, what we call a walk-up uh, to the second trial where I talked to a bunch of legal experts about whether they thought he would be convicted this time. I couldn't find one who thought he would be convicted. And these were like my go-to guys. I go to former defense attorneys, former prosecutors, former sex crimes prosecutors in Montgomery County. And um, and I, I couldn't get one who thought that. Um, but I have to say, you know, I, I covered both trials. I was at the first one, and it quickly became apparent to me after the testimony started because this time the prosecution started with a sexual assault expert and she was explained a lot of victim behavior that I think is puzzling to people who don't know someone who's been raped or who don't know much about sexual assault and she was a different sexual assault expert than testified at the first trial and she was fabulous i mean i think that that was a huge huge important difference and why there was a conviction this time because right after she testified then the five other accusers testified and andrea constand then and her mom and it just really was this slow build and each of them even though none of them knew each other before any of happened um they all corroborated each other in different ways i mean a couple of the sexual assaults were at the elvis presley suite at the las vegas hilton um or they were at this uh this home owned by the owner of harris casino in reno and you know it was there was the same pattern like cosby would um call up their agents tell them he wanted to mentor this woman he would talk to them he would talk to their parents he would ingratiate themselves with them and his family with the, with the victim and his family. And then when he got them in an environment he controlled, he would drug and sexually assault them and, you know, and then dump them basically <laughs> with no explanation, no anything. And a lot of the women were left wondering, you know, what happened. I mean, some of them just took a couple. They didn't take pills or anything. Like they didn't take any, any pills that they knew of that were given to them. And they took a couple sips of, of a drink and then they wake up, you know, two days later and have no idea what happened to them.
0: What do you make of Camille Cosby, who is, I mean, stand by your man, look it up in the encyclopedia, and there's her picture. What do you make of her after all of this evidence over all of these decades? How do you make sense of that?
1: Well, first of all, they lived pretty separate lives. I mean, she moved, and this is in the bio that Mark Whitaker did of him, she moved to to Western Massachusetts to that home they have there in the early 70s because she didn't really like living in L.A. And um, he was on the road a lot. They also have a home outside of Philly. Um, you know, so they, they kind of live separate lives to a certain extent. I also think that she's trying to preserve his legacy still. Um, I don't know that it's the typical stand-by-your-man um, it may be more you know the opposite of cheaper to keep her which is cheaper to keep him you know what's the point of getting divorced at this point even if she did want to because he's in jail <laughs> you know so what, what right. cost a lot of money and I have a feeling like that he was one of the wealthiest men in the world but um, you know he's had a lot of attorney he had seven attorneys at the second trial and I can't even imagine the millions that cost him because um he he has had various former lawyers of his suing him for non payment of their fees and one lawyer I hadn't even heard of oh, he owed um two hundred and eighty two thousand dollars to them. Another one out of LA he was paying him a million a month. So I can't even imagine how much the seven attorneys are costing them. And I'm not saying that they're hurting financially, I'm just saying that, you know, what's if you get divorced you have to split everything and why should she? Because, you know he's there yeah, but I so, think so, that you so. know She's so maybe she's a victim a,
0: in this as well and is just sort of trying to no, make the best I, of the situation. No.
1: no, I don't think she's a victim. She's a very strong woman. She's a very intelligent woman. Um, I, I think whatever reason she has for standing by him, um, it's not because she has blinders on. Okay, I interesting. mean, I, you know, I guess it's possible that she believes that these women took these drugs, that these were just affairs, that these, you know, that these were just sexual conquests, that they were not, you know, that they were not sexual assault, that he did not drug them. Um, it's possible that she believes that, that, yes, this was a man who cheated on her a lot, but, but that's it, but he's not a rapist. Um, you know, so, so, so she may have blinders on about that part of it.
0: Now, this took place over four decades and this really wasn't a secret was it i mean this was a an open secret as we might call it um within the entertainment industry people knew this about bill cosby isn't that right
1: yeah they did um it's you know it, it which was one of the most you know shocking things to me when i was writing this book um, and, re- and writing the stories because, because, of course, in my world, I'd never heard of any of this in 2005, as, as neither did the rest of the world. But, you know, Hollywood protects his own, the powerful protect each other. And, you know, Quincy Jones, um, after this scandal erupted again in 2014, sent a text to one of the women who came forward and said Cosby tried to drug her or had drugged her and said, I've been telling Bill for years to stop drugging women. And it's like, well, at least he tried to stop him. Um, But D.L. Hughley, a comedian, has come out and said very publicly that everybody knew this in Hollywood. This was very well known that he did this. So, yeah, but he was a guy who was making a lot of money for a lot of people in Hollywood, and they did not want to disrupt the gravy train.
0: There was even, wasn't there a time when he almost became the owner of one of the networks? I mean, people don't realize how much money Bill Cosby had. I mean, you, you think of him as, you know, the Fat Albert cartoons, stand up comedian, the TV show, but this was a guy that had amassed an incredible fortune and had not only money, but incredible power as well.
1: Absolutely. I think one, one, estimate, put his wealth at $400 million. Yes, he tried to buy, I think it was NBC at one point. I mean, but he, yes, he was incredibly powerful. I mean, all he had to do when he was ready to talk about his son and his death was pick up the phone and call Dan Rather. You know, that's just the type of power he had, even with the media. And that's why so much of the media really backed off the story in 2005. It was it was, it was astonishing and, and very disillusioning to me because I thought, okay, it's sort of what's happening with Jeffrey Epstein now. This big scandal breaks, and all, all the other reporters jump on it, and it becomes, you know, like happened in 2014 when the media did jump on it, albeit reluctantly. But in 2005, that wasn't happening, and Cosby was able to control the media back then, except for me. And he was able to get them to either back off the stories either with a combination of promises or threats. And that's so where I learned the phrase trading up you know, giving up one story to get a better one. Um, you know, ABC did not cover any of, there were, you know, 13 other women who accused him back in 2005. And um, ABC didn't cover the other second woman to come forward to Mara Green at all. And lo and behold, three months later, they get into one of his town halls exclusively and they have an exclusive sit down with him and they don't ask him about the sexual assault. And if you'll recall, these town halls he was holding where he's going around the country lecturing poor black people about how to behave. In fact, some were calling it the blame the poor tour. You could not get into it as a member of the media unless he allowed you in. So um and that was an offer that was made to be early on by his people. Oh, we've got to get you into one of these town halls. But then as my coverage got more aggressive, um that offer went away.
0: It's interesting you you compare it to the Jeffrey Epstein case, which I talked about in our first segment and I've been talking about uh, in recent months the attempt to unseal all of the records uh, from the first trial and the Miami Herald seems to be the only news outlet that's really going after this. And they've got an entire section of their newspaper. But I I love that you made that parallel because if you do even just the tiniest bit of research, even just on Google, you can see some of the biggest names in Mm -hmm. politics, in sports, uh, world leaders, that are known associates all the way up to the president, uh president of the white house uh, president uh, in the white house is the, these, this guy Epstein, if he goes down, I'm talking like the biggest names go down with him. It sounds like because they did yeah. everything they could in that first trial to seal all of those records. And now mm-hmm. he's been rearrested and it, it would seem like one reporter could have uncovered a lot of this and the little miami herald i mean little compared to like a new york times is the only one that's really seemed to go after this historically
1: yeah but you know 12 years ago did they when all of this was playing out like i don't know i think this this started to become big again because of the me too movement and they and that's when they started to decided to look into this again and see and also because um his attorney the the guy who was the U.S. attorney at the time was then up for a cabinet position. So yes. you don't know what kind of forces, like when all this was happening 12 years ago, you don't know what what kind of uh, forces were working on the Miami Herald to back off the story. Kudos to them for doing it now, and I totally, like, they broke this wide open. But, um, you know, 12 years ago, what happened?
0: Speaking of that, did you have any threats Along the way, because, you know, here you would, you know, people see it today and it's like, okay, so a book comes out, you know, in in the last few months. But but you were there when it was sort of a 50 50 proposition in the public that he was not guilty and you were covering this and putting all this information out there. Was there a time at which you faced either civil uh, liability? They were threatening to sue you or or you had other threats on top of that.
1: Oh, every day. I mean, you know, it got to a point where Cosby's attorney, Marty Singer, was calling me almost daily, trying to intimidate me. And I have a whole exchange I had with him um, in the book, um, trying to get me to back up the story and basically saying, we will sue you if you run this story. And we've been sending letters to my employers, the, the Philadelphia Daily News, saying the same thing. Um, And, you know, we ran stories and they didn't sue. Um, The DA was at the time was threatening to have me arrested for some of my stories. Um, I had the media attacking me. There was a story in the Philadelphia Weekly about why is the Daily News out to get Bill Cosby that criticized me and my reporting. Um, And when I go on the national TV shows I was being asked to come on, I got beaten up pretty bad um, by Dan Abrams and people like that who had their shows who just, you know, ridiculed me. So um, I had it coming at me from all sides, but I trusted my reporting and I believed my reporting. And I started out not wanting to believe it because I was a fan as well. Um, but the more I dug into who Andrea Constan was and who what her background was, and that she had some proof to support her allegations, these taped phone calls, um, it just she was very credible. It she, I just why would you? People don't understand how hard it is to come forward against a powerful man like Bill Cosby. She was terrified. Um, But she was also terrified that if she didn't do something that it would happen to someone else. And she'd been having nightmares for a year and kept waking up sobbing and waking up screaming at times. And finally one morning after one of those nightmares, she picked up her phone and called her mom, who was on her way to work, and told her what happened. And she just had to come forward because she was just worried that someone else, it was going to happen to someone else if she didn't do something.
0: And Bill Cosby had, had a pattern, a whole system. So he would drug the young woman Then there would be a rape. Then when the woman um, was upset about it, he had a way of dealing with them as well. Um, Tell us what his plan was, like plan A, and then if that didn't work, he couldn't uh, bribe them. Then he would threaten them.
1: Right, and you can see him, like the machine clicking into place with Andrea. He, he, the call her, her mother taped with, between Cosby and her mother is Cosby offering Andrea an educational trust because she had uh, left her job at Temple to go back to Canada to be a masseuse like her dad and go to massage school. And that if she got good grades or three-pointer or whatever, he'd create this educational trust. Well, they did not take him up on that offer. And then Marty Singer starts calling and then they're trying to get him to go to Miami to talk about this. And by that point, Andrea has attorneys because, you know, she doesn't know how to navigate the criminal justice system in, in the United States. She's a Canadian. And um, and no way in heck were they going to let her go to Miami. All, all they could think about was that he would have her, if they did go there, it'd be crossing state lines and he would have her arrested and charged with bribery and extortion like he did with Autumn Jackson, who was um, the daughter of one of his of his ex-mistress who he'd been paying all this money to for years and stopped paying when she dropped out of college. So she and her friends, these guys were trying to blackmail him. And then when she came to New York to collect money, he had her arrested. So um, yeah, there was all of this going on. And, you know, I think one thing that people need to think about too is like how dangerous it is to drug someone without their consent. How do you know they're not allergic? You know, someone could have died and we don't know if someone did, honestly. Um, That's right you know, I, that, that was going to be
0: my next question is what okay. I, what if you give someone one of these drugs and maybe they already took some drugs legally or illegally before that or there's an allergic reaction or they have you know some people respond differently to certain drugs maybe instead of it making them fall asleep they died and you're right who knows if there wasn't someone who had died or and, and that was covered up
1: exactly and some of the women talk about too like this masseuse he did this, another masseuse, he, he did this too. Um, she remembers leaving after it happened, carrying her massage table down the hall, and that's the last thing she remembers. She drove home, and her roommates found her passed out in her car. And she woke up two days later in her own bed, and they said they kept they kept checking on her to make sure she was still breathing. She doesn't know how she drove. Tamara Green said that too. She was so out of it still hours later when she woke up after he drugged her, and she, she um, drove and hit a car. I mean, they so... <laughs> you could also like just let these women go out into the night some of them after he did this and they drove.
0: Yeah, and we we, how, don't, we don't, how don't have do you know like they a
1: made at home. <laughs> and we don't
0: know how many we don't know how many women there were. We only have the names of those that came forward. Uh we we don't know that whole universe of of women that he I mean it could be in the hundreds or thousands. I mean for that matter over all these years what is it about a man? Here's a guy, he's he's famous. He's super wealthy um, a lot of people would say he could probably uh, sleep with a lot of beautiful women that would just be willing to be involved with a rich guy who's who's uh, famous and all of that and some women are attracted to that um, why would he do this why would he drug? Women And and I teach rape self-defense and I always tell my uh, classes that rape is not about sex. It's about power and having power over people. It's a very violent act. And it's not these people that get a charge out of rape. It is not a sexual thing. It is a weird miswiring of their brain that makes them excited about taking advantage of people that wouldn't say yes. Is that what your thoughts are about the psychology here of Bill Cosby, why he would do this against women's will when he could have probably had any number of beautiful women to spend the night right. with.
1: Right. I actually posed that question as one of the questions I want to answer in my, um, prologue, because I did wonder about that. I mean, he, and we'll never know without, you know, Cosby submit actually being honest and submitting to a psychological evaluation that he actually participates in. But, um, you know, in one of the court filings, Andrea's lawyers speculated about whether he was a somnophiliac, which is someone who likes to have sex with an unconscious person. It's a paraphilic disorder, and in mm. fact, um, no, who so. I didn't.
0: I never heard of that.
1: Yeah, no, me either. <laughs> you know, it's it's akin to necrophilia, which of course is sex with a dead person. Well, somnophilia is sex with an unconscious person. But but the drugs also you know help help disguise the crime because we wake up. The women wake up; they have no memory. They've no, nothing to show that they resisted. Um, who's going to believe that, you know, believe them if they go to the police? Um, the drugs are out, a lot of the date rape drugs are out of your system within four to 12 hours. So even if you wake up and go to the hospital and get a blood test, it's probably already too late. Um, so it's, it's a way to disguise the crime as well. But it also, you know, like I said, if you are in fact a somnophiliac, um, this is how you make people unconscious so you can have sex with them.
0: How did he get the drugs in their system? Was it like a drink he would pour them and then sneak it into their
1: drink? How would he do it? Um some like he he actually just said here take this and gave them a pill and that was the quaaludes a couple of women talked about that but they really didn't understand what they were taking. In fact, one of them tried to disguise it under her to hide it under her tongue and he looked at her and said lift up your tongue and um she did and he saw and he made her swallow it. So, um, oh. but but there's many, many of them who said that he, he just they just took a couple of sips sips of a drink he gave them and they were gone. So he was clearly mixing something into those drinks, and we don't know what that was. And so but we don't know what the, the women, drug is the or where he I got inter- it from. Well, one of the experts I interviewed, um, a drug facilitated sexual assault expert, said like a lot of the women talked about throwing up. <laughs> not long after he gave it to them, and she said GHB is known for that. Like, they all are known for that, but GHB is kind of notorious for that, for making mm. women throw up. Um, but also um, the quaaludes he got, he, he said in his deposition he had seven prescriptions of quaaludes that he got from Dr. Amar, who was a gynecologist in L.A., and I think she had been Camille's gynecologist and was a gynecologist to a lot of the bunnies, and she was a partner in a restaurant that Tamara Green was helping um, them try to open. It was in like a membership club. So that's where he said he got a lot of the Quaaludes, Quaaludes he had. But there are several different women who report that he, you know, had like all these prescription bottles lined up in a bathroom when they went in. Or another woman said he had a briefcase full of prescription bottles. So, um, I mean, he's Bill Cosby. He can get whatever he wants. I'm sure. Now, wants. Bill
0: Cosby, he's 81 years old. What is it like for him in prison? Have you... Have you ever been in that prison where he is being held? What kind of conditions is he being held in? It has his celebrity followed him into the prison, and he has any special privileges or anything like that?
1: No. I mean, actually, he just turned 82 a couple of days ago. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. So, um. He no. I mean, he was segregated, um, from general population for the first few months, but now he's in general population. So he eats with the other inmates. He, uh, you know, does recreation with them. He does have a cell to himself. Um, and you know, that's pretty much you know, all we know at this point. He says he's exercising a lot, and he's apparently, believe it or not. Um, giving lectures to inmates um, a few times a week, according to a spokesman, um, about how to behave.
0: Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> Including drug and,
1: use. He's lecturing yeah. about drug use.
0: Yeah. Uh, interesting. Uh, things don't change. Now, how long will he be in prison on this particular I – mean, in, in all likelihood, he'll get some time off of his full sentence. So when could he be out?
1: Oh, uh, well, here's the thing. He had, you know because he was designated a sexually violent predator, he is required to um, take these uh, sexual assault basically uh, class, treatment classes, and he's not taking them and his spokesman is saying he's never going to take them. So uh, with that in mind, you know he could easily do the whole ten years because he's not getting out without taking it and he's still saying he's innocent, and this was a consensual relationship and not sexual assault. So um, you have to show a remorse and some kind of, you know, acknowledgement of your crimes in order to make parole. So it's not looking likely um, he'll get that. So he may uh, be if he, if the rest of his life with this in attitude, prison. And the victims have a say in that. So, but he is appealing both the conviction and the sentence. So my guess is he's pinning his hopes on, you know, a new trial, a new sentencing that will get a different result.
0: What is the status of the appeal? When will we likely hear about that? Is that an appeal on the federal level? He's appealing it?
1: No, no, no. It's it's state. It's state. And um, they just filed the paperwork on it. There's oral arguments in August. So, um, you know, the judges can take however long they want to make a decision, and the average time is like a year. And about that time is when, you know, we hope it will be two years in prison for him. So they'll start talking, you know, prepping him. For parole, You know, they start doing that at two and a half years, I guess, start letting people, notifying people, victims, or whatever, this person is, could be paroled, and then the victims have a say.
0: Now, what about any other legal action? So all of these other victims have all been um, limited out by the statute of limitations, is that right?
1: Yes. Um, there is uh, upcoming. Now, the women who were suing him for defamation, the seven women, um, they settled, the, the insurance company settled with them, and then he withdrew his countersuit against them. Um, the, the one against Jan, Janice, Janice Dickinson has against him is still active. And then one of Gloria Allred's clients, Judy Huth, that, that case, that's a civil case that goes to trial right, as of now in October.
0: So that's a, that's a civil case. So there's, So no matter what happens here, he doesn't have any more criminal liability that we know of other than no. what he's facing prison time for.
1: Exactly.
0: And if and when he does get released, is the law in Pennsylvania like it is here in Florida that he'll have to be a lifelong um, reporter as a sexual predator, uh, you know, have to uh, lo- you know put his location down, all the neighbors will be notified, he'll have to report in frequently to uh, people that supervise him and all of that.
1: Yes, it's a lifetime designation. Being designated a sexually violent predator, he can't go leave, sta- you know, leave the state or do anything without notifying the state police. The people in the neighborhood have to be notified. There's a sexually violent predator there. He has to do mandatory counseling. So, you know, this is a lifelong designation.
0: Nicole, this is such a wonderful uh, thing that you've done. I'm sure not exposing him was a good thing in and of itself. But there's so many young women that need to know that someone like a Bill Cosby um, can do this kind of thing. You you cannot be skeptical enough when someone invites you uh, into an area where you could potentially be a victim. Uh, Of course, we on this show have talked about uh, the various serial killers like Ted Bundy. And, And a lot of these people, these sociopaths, they have this charm that would make someone trust them and not have their guard up. And this is exactly how they operate. And I I think this book is going to do so much good as far as just opening up uh, people's eyes. And I want to ask you, what's next for you? Are are you taking on another case now? Is there another Cosby book coming down the road? Uh,
1: No, I'm working. I am working on a second book. It's um, it's, co-authoring with uh, Denise Huskins and Aaron Quinn and they were the along the same line she was um, kidnapped from her boyfriend's bed um, and held hostage for three days and raped and when she got out the cops said it was all a hoax and called her the real life gone girl and then three months later they caught the guy doing it to someone else and um, she and her boyfriend sued the cops uh, for defamation and won two and a half million dollars and wow. yeah you know, it's just yeah it's just another extraordinary case that you can't even believe this happens in this day and age i mean you know it's this is even a stranger rape right the cops apparently don't even believe women when they say they've been raped by strangers these days yeah. so that's my second one and um i'm still i've got some spin-off projects from from Cosby that we haven't announced yet so i'm looking forward to that but yeah very I'm, good
0: maybe a book like uh the lessons for young women as far as uh, self-defense and protecting yourself and, and all of that sort of thing, that, that would be a, it, yeah. a great one.
1: Yeah, or I mean, I'm really interested in doing more in drug-facilitated sexual assaults. So I think that it's a scary thing that you even still, after all the public awareness, everything that we've done, you know, that you still can't go to, to a bar as a, young, as a woman, and a man, it happens to men too, without mm-hmm. worrying about somebody slipping, slipping something into your drink and rendering you unconscious and incapable of defending yourself. Um, so I think that is something that doesn't get nearly enough attention anywhere in the media or anywhere. And that's something I really want to work to draw more attention to with stories and, and so forth. So I definitely, the
0: book is called chasing Cosby, the downfall of America's dad, Nicole Wisensee Egan. Uh, thanks for being with us. Tell us where they can get the book. I know it's at Amazon. Uh, a lot of times too, our folks are interested in Kindle versions and audio versions. Tell
1: us about all that. Yeah, no, it's Amazon, Barnes and Noble, pretty much anywhere you buy books, it's there. Um, there is an audio book as well, and that's and I'm the narrator. <laughs> I did the narration for the audio book as well, so that would be me talking. Um, there's Kindle, there's hardcover, there's um, audio right now.
0: And the book contains a lot of interviews with victims as well, and folks, we've just scratched really the surface of what's in this book. It's fascinating. Chasing Cosby, Nicole Wisensee Egan. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, We hope you come back again.
1: Thanks. I'd love to.
0: Thank you very much. Wow. (laughs) That was incredible folks. I have to tell you, I've done a lot of interviews over a lot of years and uh, I just have chills. I mean, to think about this, that this guy went on with this for 40 years, 40 years drugging and raping women. And one of the things she said that I just, I, I'll tell you, it just really struck me was we don't know um, maybe the whole story here. Uh, I mean, you would think with all these women, he's drugged. Who knows what else might have happened? Who knows? Who knows if someone died? We, we don't know. Who knows if someone had a life-changing medical episode after being drugged? We don't know. And we only know about those that have come forward. And to think this went on for four decades, how many women were affected, how many lives were changed forever. Uh, What a monster. What a monster hiding behind the facade of America's dad. Wow. All right. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back again next Sunday night, 9 o'clock Eastern. We'll talk to you then. God bless. So long for now.